Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Game of Your Life, the podcast that celebrates all things nerdy, nostalgic, and most importantly, my favorite medium, video games. This week, we got Donald Mackerel on the podcast. Don, how's it going? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Oh, great. Uh, finally, I'm happy to get this one in the bank, man. I know we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, well, you've been, you've been avoiding the old ZX Spectrum games, so I thought I'd do one that actually like, you know, people over the age of uh, 20 can play. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it is finding the right game and then seeing if I have enough time to play it and everything. But well, when you put New Vegas on your list, I was sort of like, okay, this is perfect. Um, but yo, so you've you've been in England. Have you been living here your whole life? Yeah, yeah. Sadly, born here, raised here, so still live here. Yeah, <laughs> sadly. Always in Shropshire, or have you moved around a bit? Again, this is it. Because I'm from such a little sort of like village, I've always pretty much lived there. I remember the first time I started gigging, and I had to go to somewhere like Liverpool, I think it was, and I just saw like big lights, you know, big city. I was like, oh my God, I can't deal with this. So uh, <laughs> luckily, yeah, I'm getting to a bigger place. Like my girlfriend's Polish, so... I'm amazed, like someone like yourself, I think, and just go, do you know what, I think I'm going to move to a different country and just start living there. Yeah, it's crazy, although I love the vibe of, like, I, the only time I went to Shropshire was your show and this back beautiful little backyard gig you put on. And well, did. I could, I, could feel the, I could feel the community, you know? I mean, people just turned up at your backyard. It must have been, like, 30 strong back there. Yeah, the problem is it's one of the places where everybody knows each other, if you know what I mean, so they're not only people that come to my gigs they're also my friends and like most of them are related to each other as well so yeah i remember there was your neighbor out there doing his gardening too i'm like i was just like what does he think of all this uh, he, yeah he's not happy it's why we've had to stop it <laughs> oh really yeah <laughs> that makes complete sense actually he was sort of scowling during my set and it's weird because i'm saying like filthy shit in the backyard and it's like in the middle of a neighborhood yeah but the worst thing is like they were complaining about like comedians doing like rude jokes and things like that and being noisy. Without them, all you ever hear is parents screaming obscenities at their children. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're like, hey, I never called the cops when you're getting your domestic abuse on. Maybe leave my comedy show alone. Yeah, when you were punching little Toby over the head for not brushing his teeth. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So you've been promoting for a while too, and I should make the disclaimer: you're a good promoter too, because I mean, it's you gotta you gotta make that clear in the UK. I think. Well, this is, I I am what is known as a, a good promoter in that I don't make any money, so I'm a bad promoter because I give it all <laughs> to the acts. But um, I don't know. I, we've got the comedy awards, the Midlands Comedy Awards coming up, and I'm expecting to get zero votes because people will just vote for the people that uh, they kiss the arse off because. They book big headliner TV comedians and operate on paid tens alongside them. Right. Well, hey, seeing as you've had me in your garden, you got my vote at least. Oh, beautiful. I, oh, that was the other thing. They've made it now so that people outside of the Midlands are not allowed to vote. So it's like proper insular. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So unless really you've got six like, fingers, you're not voting. I've never seen one of those voting things where it's like, who is this for other than just... Like, the people who set it up are, have set themselves up to win. Yeah, pretty much. And it's just so transparent. And now it's like, and the voter pool can only be people I know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember the other year, they had it where I think I was meant to win by a landslide. And even the guy running it got in touch with me. And he said, like, mate, you should have won the Best Alternative Act. But we've had complaints from some of the agents and the people that book them that their act didn't win. I was like, oh, come on. So they made oh me joint God. winner. I was like, oh, fuck. All right. And like, you've seen where I live. I live in the middle of nowhere. I am not going to get famous. It's not easy for me to get to gigs. So just give me <laughs> give me a little shit plastic trophy, please. Let me let me have something. 
Yeah, no kidding, man. Um, how how did you get into promoting though? Is it as as the start? Because like I imagine coming from where you're from, you must have had to like break into the scenes and then make connections and shit like that. Um, I think I started off sort of like just doing open mic nights, as in not, not promoting them, just gigging them. Mm-hmm. And I realised that, uh, like yourself, if somebody says like, "Oh, I've got a ten pound middle spot," you might go, "Eh, it's only ten pound, but I can walk there." For me, the nearest gigs were like nearly an hour away, if not an hour and a half. So it made it completely dumb just to drive like, you know, an hour and a half to do a spot for £10 and then never hear back off a promoter. So I thought, right. I'll put my own gigs on. And like, again, I get to pay people fairly because I've never made money at a comedy. So it's, <laughs> it's no difference to me. But uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right when you say that. I mean, the mark of a good promoter to a comic is just getting paid. But it's also the quality of the shows, too. Like, I sometimes you'll get invited out to these shows that are like three hour drives away and it feels like obvious that it was going to fail from the start and you're just like how do you not feel bad inviting people out this far for this you know well they're just corrupt they don't care about the quality of the show it's just like how much money am i going to make off the back of this piece of shit whereas i always try and book again i don't care what color you are what creed you are what sex sexuality i don't care as long as you can get on my stage and you can make people laugh i will book you and i will pay people fairly but i don't know i don't think that's that's the way to do it nowadays i mean fuck yeah man that's power to the people i guess (laughs) and before we get off comedy and into video games here too i i got to ask and feel free to not answer this question because i don't know how protective (laughs) you are but how did uh mr badger come about to begin with because it had been, by the way, I have to say, when I started, it had been at least two full years I was aware of Mr. Badger, which is a character Donald plays, and I wasn't aware of you, the person, or who played him. It's the most horrific thing where I started off as Donald Mackerel, and I was just getting, like, open mic spots, and then I think I got asked to do a gig in Redditch for a chap called Craig Dixon, and I sort of said to him, like, look, mate, I'm not getting paid. Can I just try this idea out? And it was when I was about 14 or 15, I had an idea where I'd dress up as a badger and sing Elvis songs, but th- that was it. There was nothing <laughs> There's nothing different. I was just literally, no accent, no nothing. I was just going to do an Elvis impersonation, dressed as a badger for 10 minutes, and uh, all my mates were sort of like, yeah, well, yeah, that sounds good. And then one day, <laughs> I, yeah, I remember one day, I was trying to do an impression of a, an old British comedian called Bernard Manning, and I sort of did a voice like that. And they went, oh, is that that Mr. Badger thing you were working on? I went, oh, fuck, that sounds really cool. So then I just came around with the idea of, like, this disgusting old, like, 1970s entertainer type dude who dresses up as a badger. And then, of course, it, there's a whole, he entertains kids, but he really shouldn't be doing. And then, yeah, it just took off. I did it for the first time at that gig, absolutely stormed it, got professional work off the back of it, and then... Uh, Sadly, nobody knows about Donald Mackerel, but they know about Mr. Badger and the Bloody Penguin. It's like the only <laughs> two that I get booked to do now. Yeah, that's so crazy, man, how it just built upon itself. Yeah. Uh, I remember you came to my, you were coming to my gig, and Mike Carter was on the gig, uh, who's done the show before. And I was like, oh, yeah, Donald Mackerel's coming to watch the show. Should be cool. And he was like, oh, Mr. Badger, pretty nice. <laughs> and it's in that moment that it fucking clicked. Because I'd already been friends with you for like a few months at this point. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like this dawning realization. I was like, oh, motherfucker, that makes sense. Well, the thing is as well, like, in real life, I'm such a really nice guy. But like Donald Mackerel on stage is a bit grumpy. And Mr. Badger is vile. So people don't put the two together. I've done gigs where I've 
sort of done Donald Mackerel, the penguin, and Mr. Badger, and people can't associate one person with being all three of those acts. So I sort of come <laughs> off stage and like, oh, you were the first guy on. Oh, did you meet the Badger dude backstage? Yeah, it's, have you noticed it's about my height? <laughs> like, oh, that's beautiful. It's a perfect getaway, too, if you go too far. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. I did get threatened with a knife when I did a gig in Bath once, so it was like, yeah, take the kit off, put it in a carrier bag, and run out the back door. <laughs> awesome man well yeah let's get into video games a bit so were you have you been a gamer your whole life i i remember you telling me about your video game collection and it's very vast oh god yeah well this is it i i grew up incredibly poor sort of like no you know we didn't know if we were gonna eat that sort of poor never had any bloody clothes well not not we weren't running around nude we had clothes but they were just shit <laughs> and um i remember i was about ooh, 11 12 uh, at school, and my dad said, "Like, oh, I've got this this Spectrum for you." And I was like, "What? What's a Spectrum?" Because I, I I was into computers, but only like what we got at school. And they bought me this like um, really old like ZX Spectrum with a big box of games, and they're all shit. But I just remember sort of <laughs> being in the car on the way back, and my dad was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, it's this computer. You know, I know you love computers." And he goes, "And it's got a Scrambler with it." So I was like, "Oh, it's got a motorbike game with it. It's going to be brilliant." And I got back, and it was a board game called Scrabble. <laughs> I just remember sitting there going, Dad, what the... But yeah, no, off the back of that, I learned how to do sort of like basic programming on computers. And then uh, I got my first ever console, which again was massively out of date. I got myself a Sega Master System. And I was just hooked ever since. It's sort of like, it, it's a nice little escape and it's cheaper than people think it's going to be. Yeah, completely. And especially when you're playing a generation back, it's sort of like, it's nice because I realized I missed a whole generation doing comedy and just not focusing on games. Yeah. And then over, over lockdown, I'm like, oh, I can play every PS4 game and they're all cheap now and fresh. It's mental. Like, to me, the PS4 is still fairly relevant. And I'm looking, you can get like God of War for like eight quid. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? They get, they get so cheap that you feel dumb getting them new. Yeah, pretty much. It's almost like, why would I have ever paid even £20 for this when it's going to be £6 in a few months, you know? Well, I'm listening to your, at, at the moment, I was like halfway through your Rob Mulholland one about uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. And I, I heard like, Rob Mulholland going like, oh yeah, I picked it up in lockdown for like 8 quid. And I went, nah, nah, there's no way RDR2 is like 8 quid. <laughs> and I looked on eBay and you're like, holy shit, yeah, it's like less than a tenner. Yeah, it's weird. Everything except Nintendo, because Nintendo won't budge on any of that shit. Well, they don't uh, give the license out, do they? So uh, they can literally, I think their view is our games are that good that you have to pay full price. Like we are not willing to lower the price of our games because the quality is so high, which is bullshit because loads of them are terrible. But, yeah. yeah, complete. Well, I mean, I, I might be able to see that for Breath of the Wild or maybe like the mainline games, but when like Mario Golf and shit like that are also, it's like, come on, dude, these aren't all gems. I was like, I got a Wii U. I've actually got two Wii U's, but I remember going out buying a Wii U because they were like, oh, it's going to be on par with like the Xbox One and PS4. And it was dog shit. So not only was the system shit, but pretty much every single game was the best games were mediocre. <laughs> and they were still charging full price like come on nintendo you know this is a dead horse dude nintendo really is the shifty uncle that'll show up every few years and he'll either actually have like a gift for you or it'll just be like he's swindling the family again yeah he's like i found these flowers they're definitely not from a grave <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that completely and then the nintendo switch comes around and we're all happy with him again until well, until I've the not, next one. I've not played on a Switch, and apparently there's people already whinging about like this 
OLED version that they've released saying like, well, what, what's the point? It's, you've not, you're running it on a really sharp screen, but even still the processors and everything aren't powerful enough to make a difference. Yeah, completely. I mean, I don't understand it really. It's just like a cash grab. Yeah. And then they also have the Switch Lite, which is it literally the commercial almost says like, it's a shittier version, but it costs less. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's dear. like okay i guess like for poor people they should put that on the box or something. Yeah. It's... it's the switch but you've got it from aldi <laughs> mm -hmm. but the thing with nintendo is like i don't think they need to like come up with anything new now for a while they've sort of got the they've got the switch in place and they can keep putting out new stuff with it they're putting out all these other first line games well not only that people rip the shit out of nintendo saying oh they haven't done anything original in ages and like, even the switch they're like well it's just the wii u but it's just handheld and Yet, who survived out of them and Sega? And Sega used to try and like innovate all the time, but, well, they're dead. Yeah, completely. I mean, the Dreamcast was such a misstep. Oh, but it, it always makes me wonder, like, how many missteps any of these big companies were away from just total disaster. I, I can tell you, because I bought every single Duff console going. Every time it come to a choice, <laughs> where it was like Saturn or PlayStation, I went, I'm definitely having a Sega Saturn. And then my mate would get a PlayStation. Like, what, what have I done with my life? <laughs> yeah, just the wrong path every time. Yeah. Oh, Your Dreamcast or PS2. G uh, genuinely, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny, mate. So, did you wh which system were you playing when you got your hands on the Fallout series? And were you familiar with the other Fallout games at this point, or what? Uh, so, I played like Fallout One and Fallout Two on the PC because, again, I was into my PC gaming as well. Uh, I thought they were all right. I wasn't overwhelmed with them. So, when I heard that like Fallout Three was coming out. I sort of went, yeah, okay, I'll give that a miss for a bit. And then my mates were telling me, oh, it's awful. You played like the first nine hours as a baby or something. And I went, oh, okay, yeah, that doesn't sound <laughs> like my... <laughs> but listen, I, I thought well, that doesn't sound like my cup of tea. And then I remember getting Fallout 3 and going, oh, this is an all right game, to be fair. It's not... It doesn't follow the same path as Fallout 1 and 2. It's got, like, branches of it, but it's not the same sort of game. And it's okay. It's more just sort of, like, Oblivion, but with guns. And then uh, off the back, yeah, of that, that was I'm... always that was always the comparison in my head too. It was like, oh, it's post-apocalyptic oblivion. Well, it is. It's just a Bethesda game. Only they've sort of gone like in the future. There you go. Whoop de doo. So um, that came out, and then I remember New Vegas came out, and my mates were sort of raging about it. But all they were saying was like, oh yeah, like there's no sort of like intro. You just you talk to some old fella, and then you're out in the real world, and it's quality. So I went, all right. So there's no painful like start to it so i just jumped straight onto new vegas easily easily the best game i have ever played in my life easily well man that's a great kicking off point why don't we just get right into it then yeah definitely all right donald mackerel this is the game of your life <laughs> That lone star from a thousand miles away. Fallout New Vegas, a 2010 action role-playing game developed by Obsidian Entertainment and published by Bethesda. In story, it occurred four years after the events of Fallout 3 and is considered a spin-off game. It went on to hugely critical success, the only flaws being the bugs on launch, and has gone on to develop a huge cult following that consider it the best RPG of all time. Which, yeah, it's tough not to say. I, I, my first question was going to be, is it your favorite in the series? But you sort of just answered that. 
Right, one hundred percent, because everything released after it has been dog shit. <laughs> I mean, I don't even talk about Fallout seventy six. It just makes me upset. I pretend I live in a oh. world that that doesn't exist. Well, we talked about like you can get games online like really cheap. I picked it up for five pound, and I still think I've been ripped. Yeah, off. they owe you that. They owe you ten pound for that. <laughs> and then yeah, I mean, if you heard the Rob episode, we sort of took Fallout four to task randomly last week. But New Vegas, it's interesting because I played it like. As soon as I put down Fallout 3, I picked up New Vegas because I, I had held off on Fallout 3 for a bit. Yeah. So to me, it was sort of like I, I was expecting almost more of the same. And they they sort of it was it was pretty much the same. It was like this looked like the same game and everything except for the motif and the color scheme and everything. But then, yeah, it, I, I'd say if anything, though, it's gone more back to its roots. It's 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 a proper Fallout game. Mm hmm. So, like, I was going to say, the beginning, I was always sort of back and forth on it, because uh, as this game starts, you see this incredible opening video that sort of shows you all of New Vegas and what they're going to, what they've packed into this place. And then you see Benny, who will sort of be the main antagonist for, like, the first half of the game, voiced by Matthew Perry, of all people. I'm sure we'll get into that. <sighs> but he sh he shoots you in the head, and you're left to die if not for this robot Victor coming and digging you up. And like you, your buddy said, you sort of wake up in this old guy's house. What well, what was your thoughts yeah. on all this the first time you experienced it? Uh, again, I don't like the fact that it's 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 the same as Fallout Three, where you've got all this open choice. You can be anything you want to be, but you have to follow this strict route. So straight away, it's like, why do I have to be a courier? Why do I have to get shot in the head? But then it is the <laughs> <laughs> but it's then it is the nice little link into oh so I've tried to make you look as good as I can go off this picture is this what you look like and then you get to create your character which ultimately is fruitless because you never really see your own face so. yeah that has always just been a complete waste of time yeah. uh, I sort of liked the Fallout Three one more in the sense that it's like at least you show you see your character being birthed and that you see sort of the backstory. Whereas this, I don't know if the attempt was to make you as anonymous as possible, but you just have to sort of assume your own backstory, like you're a courier who had the wrong package. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose when you get to the, I don't know if we'll talk about it later, but the DLC, you go into like Ulysses, who was meant to be the original courier, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, right, so it's a little bit cooler. Right, oh, I forgot about that. I never actually dug, I think I only dug into a couple of the DLCs, but... I, most of my time wasn't spent in the game of the year, so I probably missed a bunch of it. Oh, dude, same here, and especially now. Even now, if you want to get like the ultimate version of it, I think it's like 25, 30 quid, something like that, for, you know, an 11-year-old game. So, mm, yeah, right, and not, not to stray off the path too far, but PS Now, for some reason, has both the Fallout games without the game of the year edition, and there's no way to buy I'm... it as DLC. No, that's it. It winds me up. Yeah. You, you can obviously get it via Steam and things like that, but yeah. that's infuriating. Um, but yeah, like you said, this game starts and you enter Good Springs, and it's almost like this is the tutorial town because you learn yeah. how to fight, you learn how to do your inventory and all that. But then you also have like your first main conflict that sort of makes you make a tough decision right early, and that's sort of like what the rest of the game is oh, going to be like. Powder yeah. Gangers. Yeah. So yeah, did you want? Do you want to explain <laughs> yeah. what happens here in the first one? Well, so but as soon as you come out, you meet that bloody Victor again, who I cannot stand. I cannot oh, stand him. He yeah, the cowboy robot that saves you. Yeah, 
just does my nothing. So the second you come out, he chases up to you. The amount of times I've tried to run away from him just so I don't have to talk <laughs> And you to can him. you but, can uh, kill him, and he will only be replaced by another victor that's just had the memory uploaded into him. <laughs> that's <laughs> it, yeah. But no, I, uh, I, know, I know, like, I've, I've tried to do, like, nice runs. I've tried to do nasty runs. But as you say, you come out into Good Spring, and it is, like, a little cheery village where they're having a little bit of trouble with the powder gangers, aren't they? And then... Uh, You've got to make your choice as to what you're going to do. Are you going to fight for them or against them? And I think nine times out of ten, everybody tries to help them out because it's the first time you've played Yeah, the game. completely. It's a very easy moral decision. Um, between their, the powder gangers are looking for this guy named Ringo, who the townsfolk have hit in the gas station. You, you can just go <laughs> into the gas station if you want, kill Ringo up front, and then tell the powder gangers, like, hey, I got him. Like, let's take this town over. Yeah. Well, but again, that's the thing. When you first start the game off, that's not an obvious decision, is it? You're like, oh, I've got to do like one or the other. But as you go through the game, you find there's so many different ways you can play it. Yeah, completely. And I'm sure you've done this too, because maybe by the fourth or fifth time I've played this one, I just skip this all together. And I'm just like, fuck it, I'm heading, I'm heading to Prim. <laughs> I've seen this too many times. That's it, just ran past it. Or where you fuck up and go... I'm going to go over the top of this hill. Oh, shit, there's giant flying insects. Going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, and we will get into that because throughout this game, it is it is open world, but it's like a contained open world. And I, I think it's done really well because it sort of forces you maybe for the first like quarter of the game down a pretty strict path. And you don't yeah. have to follow it completely, but it sort of makes most sense to, you know? That's it. You're not going to last long if you do try and take a shortcut. Mm -hmm. And it's also introducing here the sort of faction element. This is maybe the biggest change that wasn't in Fallout 3, where is you'll have big factions that sort of control the whole landscape, but then smaller ones, like even Good Springs is its own faction, and the Powder Gangers yeah. are their own, and you'll you'll your reputation will change with one of them, depending on what you do here. Yeah, well, that's it, because they had sort of like, um, like a morality thing in Fallout 3, didn't they? Whereas with this, it's just a case of you can kill a few uh, people out of the Legion and then that's it. You'll have, like, hunters sent after you, like, death packs, basically. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're wearing the wrong outfit and you walk past the NCR dressed up as the Legion, they will just murder you. But that's the thing. It's not a case of, like, if you're a bad guy, the Legion automatically likes you. Or if you're a good guy, the yeah. NCR automatically likes you. It it's like it depends on your relationship with those factions completely. So you can be an evil character, but if you've pissed off the Legion too many times, they'll hunt you down yeah. the same way the NCR will on site. Well, even that, like I don't consider the NCR to be the good guys. I don't think the Legion are the good guys. I think pretty much there are no factions that are good or bad. Really, they're all just running after their their own sort of weird moral compass. Yeah, and well, let's get into those because like they. The characters aren't so much as a part of this as the factions are, and the three main ones in this game are Caesar's Legion, who are, is led by a guy named Caesar. They're dressed like literal Caesar, Caesar's Legionnaires, and they go through fucking crucifying people uh, that cross them. It's pretty awesome, like, imagery, when you see their base and when you see the soldiers and shit like that. And, and it, to it weirdly, like, fits the wasteland they've created. I was just going to say, when you come to that first town as well, where, like, you're aware of Caesar Legion, and as you say, you see people all crucified and like things on fire, and and they've run that lottery just to sort of like see who's the lucky one. <laughs> yeah. So one gets set free, and the rest of them like one dies outright. That's that's his prize. The rest of them are tortured to death, and it's like oh freaking hell. Yeah, and that's your introduction to them when you get to the town of Nipton, 
It's completely burnt yeah. down, and, like, there's a hallway of crucified people that lead to the Legion. It's a pretty, like, awesome intro. Where, is <laughs> meanwhile, the other big faction in this is the NCR, and they're the closest thing you have to, like, a modern-day government. They're all about, like, regulation, <laughs> and they're yeah. sort of incompetent and bureaucratic. That's it. Well, I think there's a bit later on, isn't it, where you can choose to give water to, like, their farmers which in turn will cut off the independent farmers. Oh, yeah. It's like, well, or no, you'll, yeah, you'll so, cut off, I think, vault dwellers that will die or it's also, or there might be a separate quest. No, no, I think it is, yeah. So it's, and I think if, if you give water to the independent farmers, instead of sort of going like, oh, it's right, well, we'll adjust our budgets and make sure that our farmers can do what they want to do. They just sack their farmers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't care about your issues. You're not performing. Yeah, they, re they react like a government body, but throughout this game, you find out that they're sort of on the losing end of this war too. Like you find a few yeah. of their outposts where th things are fucked and like most of their guys are dead and starving. Yeah. And so like the NCR is just sort of on the back foot this whole game. And I'd say the third main factor in this whole thing, sort of different from these other two, is Mr. House. Uh, he's like, oh, how, I don't even know how old he is, billionaire living in a casino that sort of... He's like over 200 yeah, years. Yeah, and it's he? literally like the same shit people think Walt Disney's doing in real life. Like this guy who's kept himself cryogenically frozen. I always thought it was based on Walt Disney, and then I found out it was based on this businessman type things like howard hughes i think his name was or something like that and literally when you look at the photos of him the photos are exactly the same <laughs> like even the poses and everything it's like you rip off bastards but everybody went that's what that's Disney. hilarious i'd never heard that before oh dude i'm a geek uh, yeah and so these are these are sort of the people in place when you do it now eventually this the whole landscape can change but i'll sort of go more in order here so we talked about what happened uh, in Nipton. Eventually, you make your way to Novak, and this is sort of the the first big city outside of the main of New Vegas. This is yeah. where it's got the big dinosaur statue that people will remember. Yeah. And you can meet Boone here and Manny Vargas, and these two characters are sort of like they're they're protecting uh, Novak, and they've made it sort of clear that like it's fucked. People are coming through all the time. One of them's constantly on watch. So the whole the whole yeah. feeling of the wasteland here is everyone's in danger and on guard constantly. Yeah, well, well, as you say, you've got two factions trying to fight every single square inch of it for control. But like, yeah, I I love this simply because it is the first time you meet Boone, who is the most depressing, miserable bastard on the planet. Yeah, but also ver <laughs> he's very very handy to have on your side. So he's like my first companion. I ever yeah, get. he's a recon sniper, and he's one of the companions you can get in this game. But there's like. It's funny, because some you could totally miss and never meet, but then other ones you meet through the main story like this. And yeah, even yeah. If, to get him as a companion, he basically tells you, like, oh, hey, you're new here, so I can trust you. Someone stole my wife, like, kidnapped and sold my wife oh. to Caesar's Legion recently. I need you to find out who did it. Yeah. And he even says, instead of telling me, just bring them in front of the dinosaur when I'm on shift <laughs> and put on my red beret and I'll blow their head off. <laughs> Yeah, and you can literally do it with anyone. Yeah, that's the best part. If your speech is high enough, you could bring anyone out there and just have him kill. Like, you can have him kill Manny, who's got, like, an important quest item. Completely subvert yeah. the subquest that you're meant to do here and just go straight to the next the next spot. I, I can't, because it's been, like, about five or six years since I've played it through properly. I can't remember, but I'm sure if you do make him shoot the wrong person, 
you can later like because they trust you more as the game goes on don't they like the, the um, characters that follow you and I'm sure you can get into the point where he trusts you that much that you tell him that <laughs> you, you pulled the wrong person out and then he goes psycho and tries to kill oh, you. Oh, man. I, I didn't know that could happen. I knew I did something brutal that sided with the Legion when he was on my side. I think I, like, expressed my loyalty to Caesar to his face and then Boone, <laughs> Boone turns on you, but you're surrounded by Legionnaires and they just cut him down. Because yeah. Boone's got, like, a, and a lot of people you meet in this world they have their like strong ideologies one way or the other and boone is just yeah. hell bent against the legion for what they've done to his family he kills he shoots them on site like there's not even a way to talk to them if boone's in your party which i love about it yeah but again that's what you said about like with the whole factions they don't care if you're good or bad you're just you're on a side and boone is very much ncr mm-hmm, completely and that's another thing i was anti-ncr the last time i played this not pro legion, and Boone wouldn't even speak to me, just because I wasn't in the yeah. good graces of the NCR. So, so yeah, if, if you can do sort of whatever you want here, there's a couple cool side quests to go to from here. Uh, you'll eventually end up at Freeside, which is like the area right before the Vegas Strip, and there's a ton yeah. to do here. I mean, between there's the Kings, who are you brought up Elvis earlier with Mister Badger. These people also love Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's insane. that's why you got to get a dog guy. You got to get a a dog a new brain or something like mm-hmm. that yeah so to get into the strip you can either do pay like three thousand caps or complete side quests for the king and the king is literally like an elvis impersonator they're all sort of elvis <laughs> impersonators but he's the best one yeah if you do him a favor he gives you the pass into the strip i'm sure there's that place in freeside as well where it's sort of like it, it's basically a brothel isn't it oh yeah <laughs> And you could do a quest for them where you get a robot called Fisto. (laughs) I'm so glad you were able to bring up Fisto for the podcast. Yeah, there's a weird side quest. You've got to find three hookers, and one of them is Fisto the robot. I think there's like a ghoul, there's a dude who plays the guitar, and there's Fisto the robot. Yeah, and the dude that plays the guitar is so weird because he looks more like a a 1960s stand-up act. Like, he's this yeah. old man who's sort of like, <laughs> but no, he's just there to fuck, and he's an option. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit weird. And, oh god, there's that, I'm sure there's, it's either the brothel, or there's like a gun shop, and they got in trouble, didn't they? Because there's like a, a girl standing outside going like, do you want guns? Do you want food? Are you feeling horny? And it turned out the girl that voiced that person was 13. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'd never heard that before. <laughs> Oh, they got in a lot of trouble for it because the dude who made the game was sort of like, look, we just gave lines to different people. We didn't check what was on what. So they got a 13-year-old girl to ask if you're feeling horny. Oh, so, man. Fuck. You should definitely, if you have an underage kid in the in the sound booth, maybe vet the every line. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. Uh, there's also the Van Graaff uh, family here who own the plasma rifle shop. That's it. Uh, yeah. I love the just the amount of side quests you can do because... You can either, like, work for them, which ultimately leads to a really fucked up side quest where you have to bring one of the your potential companions for them to kill, which, yeah. which is Cass, the alcoholic. We'll get to her in a second. Or you can, like, basically level up enough and then come back and just roll over the store, and then you'll have, like, enough plasma weapons and energy to last you the rest of the game. I've, I've never, ever, ever killed Cass. She's like one of my favorite companions. Yeah, I actually, I, so I asked you for three top threes for this one, and I was waiting for convenient times to bring up each one. This seems like a convenient time for me to ask your three favorite Fallout New Vegas companions. 
Oh, right. Oh, this is so tricky because I love Boone just because he is, he's me. He's miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I do. I love Boone. I love Cass. Um, and then, oh, would you ca- class like Ed E as a, a follower, the little robot thing? Uh, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, because he, he joins you and you can sort of bond a bit. Right then. Uh, I would say Cass probably first, Ed E because he's awesome. And. Oh, what's the name of the like the Mexican dude voiced by Danny Trejo? Oh, what is his name? Fuck, why didn't I look that up? Oh, because I used to love him. It was between him and the mental nightkin woman. Lily, was it? The big purple super mutant thing. And it's just, a, it's like a 75-year-old woman who turned into a super mutant. Yeah, uh, and you were thinking Ra- Raul Tejeda. Raul, that's him. Yeah, I used to love him just because, again... He was just a mechanic, and it turned out he used to be a cowboy, and he's absolutely amazing. <laughs> he's like one of the best companions in the game. Yeah, he's awesome. Uh, I my number one has always been Boone, and I feel like it is the cliche answer, but I, I just think they they put so much time into fleshing him out in, into the, this yeah. full character, and you can really like his story goes pretty far if you have him as a second. My second was a arcade Ganon. Who? Oh, is that the gay dude? Uh, is he gay? Did they ever confirm that? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's gay, and was the one called Victoria as well, and she was like meant to be a lesbian. I actually never got her. I only saw her when I was researching for this, so I must have played this game like half a dozen times all the way through, and I still haven't gotten every companion. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm sure if you, you know, you can get like different perks, and like one of them's a lady killer, and one of them's a confirmed bachelor or something. Yeah. I'm sure if you're a guy with the confirmed bachelor perk, that is the only time you can get specific dialogue off Arcade Ganon. And again, flip that round. That's what you get it off the uh, the woman who's like part of Brotherhood of Steel or whatever. Oh, that's that's interesting. Because yeah, Ganon is part of the um, followers of the apocalypse, who are basically that's just it, yeah. like a pacifist group that are just trying to help people in Freeside. Well, he, he is and he isn't, isn't he? Right. Yeah. Uh, he's part of the Enclave. Um, is it Enclave or Enclave? He's like the last, well, one of the last surviving members of oh, it. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, it's really interesting. I, one thing I do love about these factions are, like, they're not all just inherently good or evil either. Like, <laughs> the it. kings are almost just, like, they're neutral, but they're just in that area sort of doing their thing. And, like, the followers are, like, a good charitable group, but they're sort of, like, pacifists at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, my second is Arcade Ganon, just because he's a likable guy, you know. And the third, I'd go for Rex, the dog, because I love that you could change his personality <laughs> based on, like, the, the brain you get for him. Oh, what's the one, like, you have to go, like, cook, cook the chef or something like that to get one of the dog brains. I remember that was the easiest one I used to go for. All the yeah, time. Cook Cook is one of the. Because I, I was researching the game earlier and I found out there's only, like, five characters with the very evil karma rating. And <laughs> Cook Cook was one of them. And he's just a raider that'll attack you on sight. But if you, if yeah. you kill his cow, his like one, the one thing in the world he loves is this Brahmin. I forget what he named it, but he's got a name for it. And if you kill it in front of him, he just goes quite berserk and kills his whole party of, of raiders. <laughs> I never knew that one. But yeah. yeah, so you can just kill this cow, he'll kill everyone, then you kill him and get the dog brain. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Christ. Uh, so yeah, that sort of leads you into... Lost the Las Vegas Strip. This is the most impressive yeah. looking sort of area in the game. They put everything into just making this look awesome. 
Yeah, and it's got some of the, some of the weirdest quests in there. Yeah, well. I'll, I'll go through the locations really quick. So the tops is just a pretty generic casino, sort of like one you'd see today. Uh, this is where you go if you want to find Benny immediately. The Lucky 38 is this sort of exclusive, mysterious hotel that Dr. House is held up in. Uh, no one yeah. had entered there for years until you show up and get invited. Uh, then you have Gamora, which is sort of like the gangster-run casino. It's just seedy. It's like doubles as a brothel. There's all sorts of yeah. quests you can do there. And then finally, the Ultra Lux, which is like a cannibal-run fine dining oh. fine dining restaurant casino. <laughs> yeah, that the most disgusting quest where you can choose to try and get that dude's kid out the back or just help them kill him and eat yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's called Beyond the Beef. It might be the name of that quest. That's it. Yeah, yeah, it's such a fucked up one because you they don't outright tell you they're cannibals. You got to you got to have a low enough karma rating for them to even trust you cuz cuz the guy, yeah. I think his name's Philippe is also a very evil character as he's like the leader of a cannibal ring. And then once you get in good with them, they basically tell you they got this guy's son and he's what's for dinner. And you can do so many things at this point. You can you can lead the father to the fridge and give him the swaparoo. You can kill the son and frame the father for it. You can even swap in one of your companions into the fridge uh, to be eaten. Yeah. So it's like, and there's a few there's a few uh, instances in this game where you can just sacrifice a companion if you need to. I, I must admit, I've never ever done that. I know there are instances, but yeah, I've never been the. I don't think I'm that much of a social. I remember when I was doing a full evil run, I strung Arcade Gan along far enough. Because I knew you could sell them into slavery at Caesar's Legion. And yeah, did, the first time you meet, you just hand him over and that's it for him. So basically, now you know that he's gay as well. You, you've just committed yeah. a hate crime. <laughs> I didn't realize it's uh, <laughs> retroactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell it to the judge. <laughs> uh, the ultimate point in here, though, is to find Benny. And this is where you actually talk to him for the first time. And get to know his character. Again, voiced by Matthew Perry, who apparently just really loves this game, which I guess makes sense. Or he loved the series. I was going to say, well, you can't tell it through his acting on it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah, he should have chandlered it up a bit. I mean, it was just the most wooden act. It's almost like someone's just, it's the first time he's ever seen this script and he's just reading it off and they go, yeah, that'll do. It's like, yeah, what? it's like they were too polite to tell him to do a retake. Or maybe he was too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but that's it. We've got Matthew Perry for 15 It would be like if, if any of us were just to just do a basic, like, guy in the casino in the 70s accent, where he's like, what's shaking? Yeah. Let's not do this here right now, doll, or whatever. <laughs> uh, that wasn't good, but neither was Matthew Perry. Uh, no, that's it. You li literally were about on par with Matthew <laughs> Perry, so that's the biggest accolade you can get. Uh, and, and, like, classic Fallout fashion, you have a ton of options here on what you can do with them. In one of my favorite speed runs ever, someone beats this game in like 12 minutes flat, where you just diagonally <laughs> run across the wasteland, get to this casino, and then just <laughs> grenades him immediately walking in. Like, you can do it in an instant if you need to. I'm sure I was watching that, but is that the one where like the developers are watching the speed run and just going, what? And he just runs straight up, blasts him in the head. Yeah, completely. Brilliant. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's, or you can, you can almost like, Allow him to trick you. He'll ask you to go up to the hotel room, and you if you go first, he just abandons you. But if you yeah. send him first, then he'll actually try to work with you, even though this ends up being a ploy. Or you could get him alone up to the hotel room and just kill him there when no one knows what's going on. 
I, again, I've never done it, but I know my mate said you can get like you can take him to Caesar's Legion or they capture him or something. They string him up on like you know, well they they're going to kill him, and then off the back of that, you can then opt to save him again. You can give him like a stealth boy and sort of say that right, wait until tonight and then you know slip out and you'll be okay. And instead, he just sort of wears the stealth boy, runs off, and all the legion try and kill you instead. Yeah, completely. So he, even to the end, he's just corrupt. And that's the last you see of him. Yeah, yeah. I love Fallout. We'll do that a bunch of times where it'll punish you for giving people the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> that's it. It's like, dude, this is the end of the world. What are you not understanding? Yeah, and I do love that. That it's if you decide to let Benny escape here or just fuck up and it happens, he does just end up captured by Caesar. So, yeah. like, and then Caesar has the platinum chip that you've been trying to get this entire time. Yeah, which again, I, I, I never really understood the whole point of that bit, the whole platinum chip bit, but I don't know. Well, little plot holes. It basically, I, yeah, it's it's sort of they needed like a central uh, thing. And in storyline, basically, the platinum chip a- allows like house access to all these dormant robots. Yeah, but that's it. It's like, why? Why just have this one thing? Why is there no failsafe? Yeah, completely. And on top of that, like, yeah, I, I almost don't buy that this one platinum chip would do it, but we have multiple bunkers where we can access it. Like, yeah. why would that be the case? <laughs> yeah. And again, the only dude who want, who's who got compare, well, power over this uh, platinum chip is this 260-year-old thing that can't even go outside. So what's the point? Why not just have something you can control from your own computer that you are stuck inside? And on top of that, it's like, the you're right, the only form of control he has are the automatrons that patrol New Vegas. And yeah. his sort of fail-safe is a chip that allows him more automatrons. It's almost just like <laughs> a bit lazy. Like, I don't know, I would have taken like a giant laser that just can blow up a whole tank embankment or something. I will say, to counteract that, isn't it like they only had 18 months to make the entire game and come up with the story and everything? So what they did (laughs) was fantastic, but at the same time you're like, dudes, come on, the main bit of the game, the main bit. Yeah, I very rarely nitpick, but um, yeah, if we're going to nitpick on New Vegas, that's one of them. Uh, The other other important thing in the tops, though, you meet Yes Man, and he's a oh. he's a robot just like Victor, but far less annoying. Or I mean, I find him less annoying. You might not. The best character in the game, because <laughs> he's just like even he's, he's not allowed to tell you that you're being an idiot, so he can make the dumbest choices ever. And he's like, okay, well, I wouldn't have done that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's named Yes Man because he's a robot like programmed to say yes to whatever you do. So he thinks yeah. he thinks everything you say is the best thing he's ever heard. And it's yeah. funny because when you get to know Benny, you'd understand why this guy was his second in command. Because, like, Benny's sort of a fucking, he's a bumble butt, and he just fucks up everything the whole time. So yeah. he's, like, being joined by this robot. He's like, wow, Mr. Benny, you got the platinum chip. This sure is a great plan. <laughs> and then as soon as Benny's done, this yes robot just completely flips his allegiance. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, he also tells you how to, like, screw over Mr. House. He's like, well, of course, you could just keep it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, I don't know about you, but I, I think this is sort of the point. When you meet Yes Man, it takes you to the final third of the game, and that's when the game yeah. truly opens up, because by this point, you're at a high enough level that you can handle most things you'll run into, uh, other than, like, say, Death Cla- Claws or Cazadors, which you're almost never able to contend with. I It's weird, because Death Claws, like, they trigger something in me when I see them in this game. That nothing like nothing else in the game does. It's almost like an anxiety, and 
that oh god they are far scarier than they were in like fallout 3 far scarier yeah and they just run at you in an instant they like one hit you i think it's just because it's insta death really so yeah. if you even see one you're sort of like oh fuck like you just got to turn the other way and then you get to fallout 4 where you're fighting one like in the first 10 minutes oh. and you're going oh right was that it yeah we won't get into that but fuck's sake <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this is where the game really opens up, and like Yes Man said, he either gives you the option, at this point you're either working with Mr. House, or you can choose to eliminate him. I don't remember the last time I played this game and didn't kill the guy. Yeah, well, he's one of the only people I side with, and it's not because he's a good guy, it's just I don't like the NCR and I don't like the Legion, well, Legion nearly, so it's either I go completely independent, or a side with Mr. House. That's it. Yeah, and I've done both. But Mr. House is... is I, I viewed Mr. House as, like, the corporate world winning. So, like, if you were to symbol, symbolize it, it's like, he's corporations, the Legion is just dictatorship, and then the NCR is, like, bureaucratic government. Yes. And I'm yeah, like, exactly. I don't really like any of these options. <laughs> no, exactly. It's, it's a horrible... That's what I think most people just play it for themselves. Like... And the only reason why you ever make a choice is where you go, oh, I've never done this before. Mm -hmm. But you don't do it because you want to. Yeah, completely. Um, If you want to choose to kill Mr. House, for some reason, he's got, you just have to do a simple security hack in the back. Uh, You you open up the chamber that he's in, and it's like this dying, like, skeleton man. And it's like one bullet to the head, and that's all it took. I'm sure as well, once he's out in the real world, you can't put him back. So, like, once you've seen him, you can't sort of go... Oh, do you know what? I don't want to kill him now. <laughs> That's it, now. <laughs> yeah. He's dead. Well done. Well, and he's completely pleading, like, he's like, what have you done? This is so fucked up what you're doing right now. And even in the game, it's treated like this historical event has happened. Like, there's a text yeah. block that's like, Mr. House has died. It's like, it's treated well, with sure. a lot of gravitas. Doesn't he release his own, like, death statement as well, where he, like, pumps himself up and says what an amazing guy he was and, like, how he helped everybody across the wasteland? Yeah, oh, totally he does. That's, again, it goes to that corporatization, like, how corporations do that when they lose their CEOs and shit. (laughs) That's it, yeah. He was not a corrupt lying bastard. (laughs) Yeah, totally was (laughs) generous with all that money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So at this point, you're given the option of what you're gonna do with sort of the gangs that exist. And by this point, you've probably done what you're gonna do with Gamora or the Ultralux. But it also suggests yeah. the Boomers, uh, who are oh. this. How would you describe the Boomers? Mental, idiot, mental. Like they are Shropshire. They are where I'm from. They're an insular bunch of weirdos that don't <laughs> want to share anything they've got with anybody else. They hate outsiders. And like, I, I'm sure there's a quest as well where like they, they've come from a vault and they ask you to go back into the vault and it's literally everything is irradiated. Everything inside it is a ghoul. Everybody's dead. And like, again, they don't care who they're fighting for. They'll just You go like, oh, do you want to fight for the Legion or the NCR? We don't care. Who, who do you want us to fight for? Yeah, because they, uh... they're literally, like you said, they don't leave where they're based. They're in a an abandoned airport hangar and they have yeah. these massive missiles. And so, yeah, if you get on their good side, you're basically like, hey, point the missiles this way, and they're fine with it. <laughs> yeah. um, or you could also just infiltrate them and kill them. With all these factions, you can either choose what side they're going to fight for, or you can just wipe them out completely. Yeah, and again, like the first run I did was trying to get them all on my side. So like the boomer one, I remember you've got to go to this big lake where there's like Maya lurks everywhere, and you've got to try and 
attach ballast to this bomber that's at the bottom of the lake and it's a big ball lake but again there's like four or five different quests you've got to do before that and i found it was just easy to just go in there and kill they've got like a religious like backstory with the planes and shit like that like the boomers have their own history and they've sort of turned that into a religion and it sort of explains to you how they've ended up in this hangar for generations now and because you like to even get there you have to find this clever way to dodge the bombs they fire at you usually it's just as as if you're in their firing range they're firing on site well again there is that but you can just run straight down the left hand side yeah totally (laughs) it's those little like uh 18 months of development yeah and whereas the great cons they live in the red rock canyon uh which i love they're sort of like the last of the real raiders if that makes sense yeah i sort of feel a bit sorry for yeah because they've been uh, all you find out from their history is they've just gone after like massacre after massacre the ncr basically held them up at the red rock canyon and killed most of them and now the, the surviving ones have to either go on petty raids or have resorted to drug dealing to sort of survive what they do is they go in and they, they like take all these small tribal gangs and they just literally wipe out anybody that won't join them. And so the people that are left are like, right, we're going to train you up now to be the Legion. And so, like, yeah, the Khans are the last sort of gang that are like, do we join the Legion or not? Do we do we just die? Yeah, out? totally. And you can, like, challenge their leadership straight up. I think you can kill their leader and sort of, like, again, you can sway it either way. I just thought they were an interesting group. And I like the Red Rock Canyon where they live is, like, a different sort of scenery. Yeah. No, it's really, and I, oh, God, there's one... I can't, like, the DLCs, I had, like, the Ultimate Edition, but I can't remember the name of the DLC, but there's one bit where you take this one DLC, and it's to do with the cards, and you get to meet that, like, burned man, that, like, even Caesar and is, uh, what's it called, Legate Lamius, is it? I think they're both petrified of him, and, like, he's, again, it's why I didn't name him as, like, one of my best companions, because he's only available in that DLC. But Jesus Christ, he's just like an absolute madman. You try and talk to like people and they won't sell you stuff. They won't speak to you because you've got this fucking psychopath. <laughs> oh, you. man, I, I don't think I ever got him. Oh, dude, he's insane. Brilliant. But, That's yeah. awesome. Um, and the last one I had here was the Brotherhood of Steel. And I, something yes. I love about the Brotherhood <laughs> is I, I'm pretty sure they appear in every Fallout game. I never played the first two. Yeah, they, well, they were like the the big thing like they were always on the cover so it was like it, it was normally the brotherhood of steel were the ones the main people in the game and by the time you get to like new vegas so this poor sad little bunch of people are like, just stuck in a bunker somewhere and they can't go that's, anywhere that's what people i love about it because like it, it shows like the rise and falls of these empires in in the time and yeah. since the game spans over hundreds of years it makes sense that at one point they were the hot shit and now it's like Again, just due to human bickering and, like, the, they've split into two different groups. I forget what the other group's called that sort of uh, strayed from the Brotherhood. Yeah, because there was ones that embraced technology and ones that wanted to hide it all, wasn't there? I can't remember. Now. I'm sure the Enclave was the ones that loved technology and the Brotherhood were the ones that wanted to sort of hush it all up and pretend technology never mm-hmm. happened. Yeah, and you can basically choose to get in good with them or what I always end up doing is... blowing the whole thing up you just you figure out how to do that because again for some reason this whole thing has a self-destruct sequence just casually on the wall of an office yeah that's it i'm I'm sure going back to like the whole rise and fall this is me being a geek for you because you never played like fallout one or two did you 
so like the NCR were just starting to form uh, during Fallout 1 and the main bad guys were the Khans. So like Fallout 2, they were sort of like levelling out. So by the time you get to New Vegas, the Khans as well are completely knackered and the NCR have been past their peak because that was pretty much Fallout 2, Fallout 3. Uh, but they've been past their peak, and they're now on the decline, which is why they're desperate to get Hoover down. Oh, man, that's so interesting. Dude, like, this should be a book series, you know? Yeah, well, I want... Apparently, there was going to be a film, and it never got made. It's a bit uh, While we're here, <laughs> I why not go through our three three favorite factions in this game? And I, I'm talking oh. big ones, small ones, wherever you want. Start from number three for me. So I, I've got to pick... Three things that I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I probably would go for Prim to begin with. I quite like that just because of the weird electronic cowboy dude. Oh man, that's the one with the roller coaster, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think you you get to save a sheriff in there or something, and you get the choice of either making oh that you get to save a deputy. So either he becomes the sheriff, or you reprogram one of those robots to become the new sheriff. So I always do that. Yeah, always the better so, move because yeah, the sheriff's a fucking dweeb. <laughs> He's an idiot, yeah. So like, Prim would be my first one. Second one, oh, I don't like them, but the boomers. The boomers. Just because at least they've got a bit of a story about them. And yeah, I suppose the most popular out of all of them, it'd be oh, the bloody Legion. <laughs> yeah, they're just the strongest. <laughs> it's the best branding. Well, not only that, like I am such, such a, I, I'm a nice guy, but at the same time, I see sense in everything. And I look at them and I go like, yeah, they're murdering all these people, but there'd be no crime if they're in charge. <laughs> other, than the, other than the slavery crimes that they're committing. Well, yeah, but that's all right, isn't it? You're allowed a bit yeah. of slavery. It's like, bring back hanging. I'm one <laughs> of them sort of people. Yeah, I go, my third favorite was the Brotherhood of Steel, just because seeing them on the back foot is so interesting. Um, uh, yeah. The second was the Omeritas. Uh, the amount of quests that you can do in that casino and... You, you get yeah. to know the three owners. You can make any one of them sort of the le the leader and just the amount of crime going on in there. There's so much wrapped up in that one location. And then, just like you, number one, Caesar's Legion. Tough not to pick. <laughs> just their camp is so impressive. <laughs> Everything about them is just impressive in this game. Well, I can't imagine anybody ever picking the NCR either. You've got to be a real geek to want to go like, I want to be the, the government. I don't thing. think I've ever played a run-through in this game where I've gone full NCR to the end. No, no, and that's that's why I like Boone as a character, but he always ends up wanting to kill me. So <laughs> I can't pick. Yeah, it. so from here, um, basically, at this point in the game, once you've made all your decisions with all your factions, it's now up to you to make a no turning back decision to go to Hoover Dam and basically flesh out the world you're going to see in the future moving on. And I always found the ending somewhat anticlimactic for a couple reasons. One of them is this game isn't, like, the combat isn't the selling point at any point. And this this yeah. whole final sequence is a lot of combat leading up to the final sort of cutscenes where you talk to people. And secondly, yeah. it's like, you already sort of know the world you've crafted before you start any of this. Because, like I said, you've just been spending the last third of the game, like, going through, meeting all the factions, and then deciding their fate. So you already know what's happening, basically. Yeah, yeah, but... Yeah, I, I, well, I suppose it, your first time running through it, you're still not 100% certain what the point of the game is. Because <laughs> all you're after is that chip. And then after that, you're like, oh, shit, there's this whole Hoover Dam thing that I'm going after. But, yeah, as soon as you've played it through once, you're like, right, this is how I want the game to end. So you just 
play through in whatever direction. That's a really want. interesting point. I wonder if I knew the first time that like the point was that one of these factions is going is going to seize control of the wasteland. Like, well, that's it to me. I I was just I was well not that I thought it was the only point of the game, but you're like someone's tried to kill me. I'm going to chase down Benny, and then you're like, all oh, right, so I've got to Benny, and it's all for this chip. Why have I got this chip? All oh, right, so it's for Mister House. So it's sort of like your priority changes throughout the game until you get to that point, and then you go, oh, it's the end of the game. Yeah, oh, and that's okay. sort of what I meant when I brought meant that that was like the jumping off point in the game, and you were already like two thirds of the way through the game at that jumping off point. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the main story and characters that we covered there. Took up the bulk of this thing so far, but. Uh, before we move on to, I didn't want to skip too many side quests, and I did ask you to think of your top three, uh, if you got them handy, or if you can just think of a few you really liked in this game. Yeah. Uh, so, oof. right, first one I'm going to go for, my, uh, my favourite one, easiest, is, I can't remember which vault number it is, but there's one where they've got, um, there's all signs up going, vote for this person, vote for that person. And it turns out they're telling people to vote for the opposite party because whoever wins gets sacrificed <laughs> in this special room to keep everybody alive. It's like every single year, the um, the uh, what's it called the overseer of the vault is the person who gets sacrificed. Oh my god, I don't think so, I ever uh, saw that. Oh man, it's the most horrific one because the only way to sort of complete the quest as well is to go into this final room where the overseer would be. And this was a well done for choosing to sacrifice yourself for the good of the people. And then all these sentry bots just come out and just massacre you. <laughs> but if you survive it, you get like loads of goodies at the end of it. But yeah, there's like loads of like letters all around of like uh, corruption where uh, there's one of the overseers was sort of like well, one of the people who's going to be overseer uh, sleeps with the other dude sort of saying like, you know, oh, if I sleep with you, please don't vote for me, vote for somebody else. And he ends up like shagging her and still voting for it <laughs> because he doesn't want anybody to find out. So, oh god, it's classic horrific. fallout completely. Yeah. yeah. So that'd be my my favourite one. Uh, second favourite. Oh, I, again, it was a toss up between that one and this one. There's a vault where they've um, there's all plants and like wildlife growing outside. Oh, this one it. I remember. This is Vault Twenty Two. That's yeah. That's the one. Oh god, and. The second you go inside, it's like, okay, everything's a bit quiet. I don't really know why. And then you meet one of those, like, spore things. Because I think there's, like, there's some, like, giant praying mantis outside, and they're not too bad. But the second you meet those weird spore people just sort of hiding there, and you can only just about see them breathing, and then they jump out at you and kill you. Yeah, Brilliant. I mean, and such a strength of the follow, both Fallout 3 and 4 just finding vaults like this. And they've conditioned you to, like, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen when you see a vault. And this was yeah. maybe the most... Although, I never found this one organically. I was always sent on this by the the NCR guy. Yeah, oh, well, I think there's a few ways you can get it, isn't there? Because there's, there's one where you go and look for, like, praying mantis eggs, or there's one where you've been sent there to find a researcher or yeah, something. Yeah, and you'd find out he'd already sent, like, five researchers and heard nothing back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, again, awesome classic fallout. Uh, do, do you have a oh, third? Horrible. Uh, so, oh, right, so my third one, it's a toss-up. So, number one, I like going to that quarry and shooting all the death claws, but I don't know if it's actually a quest. I think there's, like, a mining camp nearby where they ask you to go and clear there's a mate, someone, really There's a also uh, someone you need to talk to for an important quest on the other end of that quarry. 
she's like high oh. up on a scaffolding or something. I wish I could remember the details, but there's like a reason you need to. Yeah. Do that. So to me, it's not really my favorite quest because I care about the quest. I just like killing death floors. <laughs> so yeah. I can't really class. Also, if I was going to be really petty, I love animals. So I like the bit you do beforehand where there's like an injured mole rat and you can heal him <laughs> and everybody likes you. But uh, no, my third favorite one. Actually, going back to it, it's that one with the boomers where you go into their vault and everybody is irradiated, everybody is fucked, and there's all just these like feral ghouls chasing you down. Like you can't even go in there without some sort of like special suit to stave off the radiation. So yeah, <laughs> I do love those areas too. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that's my that's awesome. Three. Um, uh, my first is probably how little we know. Uh, which is the one with the omertas I was just sort of describing. You you basically find Kachino. Is who's like the scummiest of the three Omerta of the Omertas. <laughs> yeah. His his being like I forget what he's doing, but he's doing something behind the other guy's back to make more money. And you can yeah. either side with him completely to take over the casino, or you can just give him up. Either way, there's like so much options in this. Uh, Return to Sender was another great one, where you find out that like someone in the NCR is leaking information to the Legion. Oh, do you yeah. remember that? And yeah, Gosh. eventually you confront yeah. the guy. I think his name's Hanlon. And you can either like sort of let him keep doing what he's doing to, if you're with the Legion, or you can expose him. And if you expose him, he like kills himself. Yeah. It's fucking oh, crazy. That's Because isn't it like there's a big monorail thing or something and he's going to blow it up? Oh, was that him the whole time? Because I think so. I yeah. remember that was a, se- a whole separate quiz too. And you can, yeah, you can blow up the monorail too in a, in a side quest. Yeah. And then one that I think everyone has probably done is uh, Come Fly With Me. Because I, I don't know, I think it's the one that Manny sort of sends you on. Because Manny Vargas back in Novak will tell you, hey, I'll, I'll tell you where this guy in the checkered coat went if you go deal with this the ghoul problem. The ghouls with, there's like a rocket and they want to try and get to a special place where all the other ghouls live or something. And there's a dude living there who thinks yes, he's a ghoul. Yes, this is isn't. it. So basically... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ghouls have taken over a factory completely, and there's, like, a cult leader inside there. Um, and he's, like, convinced them all that they need to take the rocket to... I don't know where he thinks. It's basically, like, the promised land. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure, again, this is going back to, like, weird Fallout lore. I'm sure there's a place in one of the other games where it's literally this irradiated wasteland where it's just full of, like, what they call the, the ghouls that have, like, got shitloads of radiation on them. But I'm sure it's like that is where they're meant to be going. But he calls it, yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the promised land or something like that. They're just going to fire a fucking rocket full and, of people. And you can totally <laughs> fuck the thing. rocket up and put the wrong stuff in it and have it explode. But I, I think, I don't yeah. know if it ever goes well for them at the same time. No, it never goes well. Right. Again, you just got to think about what's going to happen. They're just going to smash into a load of radiation, so they're just going to become... Yeah, but the funniest goals. part was the the human, for some reason, he had, like, dysmorphia, where he can thought himself as a ghoul, and he keeps referring to you as smooth skin, as, like, an insult. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got that stuff in the voice. Yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, those are just a few of them. I had Beyond the Beef at number three, which we also just talked about, uh, but there were so so yeah. many side quests that you can just miss, if, and if you... You reminded me of the one where... Oh, where well, you're in that, is it Camp McCarran or whatever the hell it's called? And there's the, the dude with the stutter and the girl who's been raped. And that's why you go after, like, Chop Chop and everything. Oh, like yeah, no, Cook oh, Cook. Man. 
Oh, yeah, Cup, no, you're it, right. Yeah. That's you've. Oh yeah, man. There's just so much. There's the only problem. There's, yeah, there's that many quests. So when you like pick your top three, like oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even then, some of the side quests are better than the main quest. It's not fair. Yeah, I remember there's a vault that the raiders have taken over completely, and you have to go talk to like the leader of the raiders. Yeah, and shit like that. Yeah, there's so many memories that just come back when you think about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, oh, let's get into the gameplay here quick. Uh, we basically talked about a lot of it. I, I think it is like a structured open world, sort of like I talked about. And it only yeah. really opens up once you get to that last part. But I sort of like that because there is enough you can do on the side. Like, if you decide to join the Powder Gangers, there's this whole other side area of a prison nearby, near Good Springs. You can do a bunch of side quests yeah. there. There are options of side quests, but it always keeps you in the lines of, like, if you go too far south, for instance, when you're near a Nipton, it's just completely radiated and you'll get murdered. Or if you try, <laughs> if you try to go to the Red Rock Canyon straight from Good Springs, you get killed by Cazadors. They make it, like, impossible. Oh, man. They are the only things that scare me. I say, like, death claws. Like, yeah, no worries. As long as you... A bit tactical, you can take them out. Cazadors, I freaking hate them. Yeah, just extremely uh, powerful, like, bugs that move so fast and then poison you. (laughs) And I had written here, yeah, the faction standing affects everything in this game. Uh, I don't I wonder if it's possible to be a fully neutral character in this game. I'm guessing that 10-minute playthrough is probably the most neutral yet. You just fly straight up to Benny, shoot him in the head, and then go to Hoover Dam. Yeah, right? Probably just, yeah, neutral with all parties, unless you had to kill someone along the way. Yeah. Uh, but I found that the karma system almost felt like antiquated when you have the faction system in place because th- throughout the yeah. whole game if you steal something accidentally or whatever or even on purpose it'll say you got negative karma and, and things like yeah, that and there's not there's not like a ton of opportunities for good karma at the same time no and at the same time talking about commerce I never understood, like, this is going back to what most Fallout games, the whole bottle cap system. I don't get it. <laughs> so, surely, you'd, you'd just be trading guns or food. What? Why do you want bottle caps? They're useless. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's <laughs> the, the idea is that society's been like this for that long, that now there's an economy. Yeah, it's like people now, and they go on about Bitcoin. <laughs> but then the problem occurs, much like it would with real life real money, is that, like, you eventually have to find a capping press that's, like, uh, printing yeah. authentic bottle caps or whatever. I think like they've got the Nuka Cola ones in Fallout Three, haven't they? And like Sunset Sarsaparilla, is it in Fallout New mm-hmm. Vegas? And I'm sure you can still get Nuka Cola bottle caps, and they're worthless <laughs> just because in New Vegas it's like that's not our currency. So. Right, right. That's so funny. Uh, they also we didn't talk about it. They have the star bottle caps in this game. Oh God, yeah, with that weird mission where you go and. There's like a little machine, isn't there, with like a cowboy thing inside. Yeah, I never found out what happens when you get like a shitload of these, or I assume some big reward, but what? Absolutely nothing. Honestly, I did it. I collected all the special star ones, put them in there, and they just say, collect your special prize, and there's no special prize. I'm, I don't know if somebody else got it before you or something Jesus. like that. But that's the big, yeah, the big kick in the teeth is you get fuck all. Wow, it. that's ridiculous. <laughs> but again, it's like... <laughs> You're an idiot for chasing around after these special bottle caps. <laughs> yeah, and it's sort of the game, it shows you that too, because once you pick up one or two, eventually this random guy will encounter you and be like, hey, I noticed you picked up those bottle caps. Don't you know what those are all about? <laughs> yeah. And 
And then the first thing anybody does is shoot him and take his special bottle cap. Yeah, if you kill him, he's got like seven of them on him. <laughs> yeah. But it's sort of like, it's hilarious that the roundabout would be, well, then you get fucked at the end. Because it means nothing. That guy also died for nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other thing I have here is like the, like you said, they made this game in 18 months. So a lot of it was the same. The combat was pretty much exactly the same. Uh, with a cool, well, a bunch of cool new weapons and shit like that. And the big difference they did have, uh, I remember when Fallout 3 came out, my mates who like normally did first person shooter games said that most of the guns didn't have sights on them. Um, like you'd aim through where the crosshair was and you'd shoot a wall because the gun was like positioned to the right hand side of your body whereas in New Vegas they actually like tallied it all up they put sights on the guns they put it sh- shooting down the centre of the screen it, they sort of tidied a lot of the mistakes up made by Fallout oh that's through. awesome I bet that's that's one of those things that would seem way more noticeable if you just finished it yeah that's it I, get, I think the only thing is a lot of them got patched out so when Fallout 3 came out, there was people complaining about loads of things. So of course, even though they only had 18 months, they'd got however many years of complaints to just look at and go, right, well, we're not going to do that. Then. Yeah, and honestly, like, Fallout New Vegas is such an example to me of, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it, too. Of, like, we yes. all loved Fallout 3. It was a bigger success than anyone thought it would be. And then they just gave us basically the same thing with a new coat of paint and some cool new features. I'm like, I'm like, they could have just kept doing that forever in a different like city in the States or whatever. Well, they were going to do, um, I'm sure it was, they were going to do not New Vegas 2, but it was like the second one by Obsidian. They were going to do um, Fallout New Orleans, I think it was, and that would have been amazing. That would have been so but, yeah. cool, man. Oh, man. Yeah, never got made, sadly. Yeah, I mean, but there's still time, hopefully. Who knows? Um, oh, and I forgot there's a hardcore mode in this that I don't think was in the third. I, yeah, I've, well, again, that was uh, a mod for Fallout 3. So they just went, why don't we just make it an option? And I fucking hated it. Because even, <laughs> I think, ammunition and money weighs. So, like, if you flick it on, you'll go from, like, having shitloads of spare carrying room to just being <laughs> over-encumbered because you've got too much money. It's like, oh, come yeah, on. Yeah, and not only that, you got to watch your fatigue, your hydration... I, I like the concept, yeah. but I don't think I ever did it because it just sounds more... Like, I don't want a game to feel like a chore. I, I am not a decent gamer either. I am a, I'm terrible at playing... I love games. I'm just shit at them. So to stick even more challenges in the way, it's like, oh, come on, dude. I don't want to do it's this. like, oh, you were having trouble before? Well, now your character's tired. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to eat some stuff that's also going to irradiate you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that matters. Radiation actually matters now. Yeah. Oh, well, let's move on to the graphics and the sound. There is a lot to talk about here with this game in particular. I think it's the best soundtrack of the Fallout series, as well as the best. Easily, like, easily. Yeah. yeah. There's there's tunes that I still have like on my on my player now. So like I'm driving around, I get like jingle jangle jingle coming up. <laughs> <my arm. laughs> yeah, and as and I think it's like I think I've always been in, like not into swing music, but when it comes on, yeah, I, I give it quite a nice listen. And like Dean Martin, I never realized how quality he was until <laughs> Well, they keep that old aesthetic too. They keep it from the same time period and stuff like that. Uh, and they also yeah. use the radio brilliantly for like quests and stuff like that, the same way they did in the third. Uh, yeah. So it actually makes it seem like you're listening to the radio. Although you will eventually hear the same songs over and over and over. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And like anything, 
I'm, I'm sure like Fallout 3 was more guilty for it. There was a band called The Ink Spots where every single song was just like three dudes just going, there's <laughs> <laughs> just some dude with a deep voice going, hey, baby. It's like every single time one of their tracks came on, like, I don't know if I've heard this one before. Well, if it's not. on the game, it turns out you have. Yeah. Um, I, I would say this is the best cover art for a Fallout 2. Because like yes. you said, the other ones are just, I, I mean, the first one probably looked cool. A really close-up shot of the power armor that the Brotherhood of Steel wear. And then it just starts to look samey. If you see all the other fallouts next to each other, it sort of just looks samey. Whereas this is like the cool guy with the fucking gas mask revolver thing. That's it, yeah. Which, again, when you get it in the game, is a terrible bit of kit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a bit like when you get Skyrim and people want that helmet with the horns on and you go, oh, it's shit. Yeah, it's like Iron (laughs) Helm. What did you think of the sort of Western like desert motif they went for this? I've... I feel like they really leaned into it just to make it seem different from the third. And, like, instead of, like, a green overtone, everything had sort of that orangey overtone. Again, I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Because I'm sure, again, don't quote me on this, I'm sure the original Fallout 3 made by uh, Interplay, or I think it was that did the first couple, I'm sure that was meant to be set in the Wild West. Was it called, like, Van Buren or something like that? About that, I don't know, something to do with American politics. Mm So that, yeah, where they finally came back to it and went straight down the Wild West route again. They were like, I think they got loads of guys that were going to be making Van Buren and sort of went, right, well, we're making New Vegas. Do you want to hop on? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I know that the, going back to the music, um, all like the, the ambient soundtrack to it, like, you know, the, just the generic stuff you're hearing in the background was by the same guy that did the music for Fallout and Fallout 2. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Oh, man, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, and again, the whole cowboy theme. What is there, really, other than, like, Red Dead that goes down the cowboy route? So to be having a post-apocalyptic cowboy game, Jesus. Yeah, that's the weirdest part is, like, they managed to blend it so seamlessly. And to be fair, I would say New Vegas is a heck of a lot less realistic. And it's tough using that word, obviously, because the Fallout Fallout series doesn't aim for realism. Yeah. It, I think, again, it's back down to the whole... Fallout was fairly serious. It had some moments of humour in it. Fallout 2 just took the piss all the way through. And New Vegas went much more down that route again. So I think it's why a lot of the fans of the original games preferred New Vegas. Right. That makes Yeah, it makes tons of sense to me. Uh, and uh, yeah. I do find, like, you can change the colour of your menus and stuff, but I never end up doing it because it just the orange sort of <laughs> matches this world really well. Yeah, a bit rusty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the graphics in general just aren't embarrassing in this game. It's it's right above that line of like this holds up today, you know. That's it. I don't I don't think it's gonna age brilliantly well now we're looking at PS5 gap graphics and everything, but people don't play it for the graphics. They play it because it's such an amazing game with a brilliant story. Yeah, completely. So I, I think it's a hold up for sure. Uh and as yeah. we bring it into the home stretch here, let's talk about the legacy factor for a sec. Uh, we've t- said it a bunch of times, is perhaps the best game in an already incredible series. I would say, like, it also, the I don't know if the legacy of this should be attached to it, but it inspired the dog shit Outer Worlds game by Obsidian. You like, yeah, oh man. you play that? Well, again, that, yeah, that was an Obsidian game, wasn't it? So it's like, as soon as that came out, I went, shit, well, if, if the people behind New Vegas have made this, I've got to get it. And I've never been so disappointed in my Same, life. dude. I, but I, when, 
It was being uh, put on the Switch. Uh, it was in the middle of lockdown. I'm like, I'm paying full price. Fuck it. And I had friends being like, dude, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I've played it. And I'm like, no, it looks awesome. It's Obsidian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I even tried doing the thing where it's like, right, it might be like me with Fallout 4 where I've got some mates that have played it and they go, do you know what? It's not such a bad game. If you take New Vegas out of the equation and Fallout 3, it's all right. It's like a standalone game. It's okay. I still couldn't get my head around it, so I thought, like, well, perhaps it's me doing that with, like, The Outer world, and no, it's just a shit yeah, game. Yeah, it just has none of the soul or heart or creativity. Um, and no. it's funny because you would think, okay, you've had 10 years to build upon this idea, and you, you must have had a, bit of, a few creative thoughts in that time. Maybe you can just flex your muscles here, because the game looks the exact same. It looks like it's built on the same fucking engine. So the creativity sort of has yeah. to be what set, sets it apart, and it so doesn't. It actually highlights how good New Vegas is. Well, the best bit is, like, one of the DLCs for New Vegas. Uh, oh, God, what's it called? I think it's, like, yeah, Lonesome Road. That's it. And it's, like, the, the, the last bit of DLC you're meant to do. It's creepy as fuck, man. It's so scary. They've got, like, these weird red ghoul things that will snipe you from a million miles away. It's like playing a horror game. And I remember when that came out, I was like, like, right, if that's the last bit of DLC they released, so that's the last thing they were working on, how much better is this game going to be than a random piece of DLC <laughs> for a good game? And then you go, oh, shit, so no, no, it's just an abysmal game. You've done nothing, <laughs> nothing in your years away from this. Yeah, I completely, I mean, completely agree. I, I think this is yeah. one of these games, if you're not going to make us a new Fallout of this caliber, or if you're insistent on... Then just give us a full each HD remake of Fallout New Vegas on the PS5, complete with DLC. Yeah. And like, yeah, do the impressive graphics, flex flex that PlayStation Five technology on just the same game we already love. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody's doing it, so why not? Then again, I suppose, do they have the rights to it anymore or something like? Because I know, I think Obsidian is still going, but I'm sure there was somebody else involved with it and their company after New Vegas came out. And even though it was a success, completely folded. So I think like Bethesda are like, right, this is still our game. You've got nothing to do with it. Oh, now. damn. Yeah, that does suck, man. Yeah, I just want like, because there's something that stands out about this game. You wouldn't believe it came out in, in 2010. You know what I mean? That's it. I, as soon as I said to you, like, oh, I'd love to do this. I thought like, well, I'll have a quick playthrough on it. And I, I went down the play, uh, PS Now version where I was like, oh, this, this is pretty much unplayable. I can't do this. And uh, yeah, I thought like, well, it can't be that hard to remember what went on. And then I looked at the date of when it came out, and like, twenty ten. No way is this game eleven years mm -hmm. old. No, it's way. just it was so ahead of its time. And the fact that like Fallout Three had pretty high praise, and then for this to come out and sort of even trump that, it just felt like yeah. huge at the time. Yeah, one hundred. So I I don't know about you, I can't really find out what that intangible is that makes this stand out so much, but. It really, it truly is like one of the greats. Probably my favorite action role playing game if I had to choose. Again, I think it's just because there's a lot of humor that went into it, and it did hit off the back of success of Fallout Three. So I think there's already like a big fan base there. And when they went into it, and went, "Oh my shit, this is even better." I, I don't know if people would love it if they'd not played any Fallout game before or not. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. And I mean, I only had three to back it off of, but I don't know. Anyway, I think we've done it. We've we've gone a bit over, but that's what we were going to do, talking <laughs> New Vegas, you know? Yeah. 
And we didn't even slag off any of the glitches. Yeah, and I, I mean, you always could, but that feels more like a Bethesda criticism than a New Vegas criticism. And I, I wasn't there on launch, so I never really, I never got the worst of it, you know what I mean? Oh, man, I, I loved them, though. So to me, it made the game even Just better. Just funny. Like, there's nothing more hilarious than sort of like shitting yourself because the death claw is going to be coming after you. And then you shoot it, and one of its arm blows off, and it's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh, it, it's funny because the glitches are always going to be a criticism, but it's also you can't really say like, "Well, New Vegas is a nine out of ten because it had glitches on launch." It's like no way, no way. To me, it's a ten out of ten despite the glitches. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in spite of the platinum chip snafu that we went over earlier, also. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, but is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, please come to my comedy nights. They are Kung Fu Pug Comedy. Do not look for Kung Fu Panda, which lots of people do. <laughs> it's a Kung Fu Pug Comedy. Uh, we've got nights across North Shropshire, currently loads in Oswald Street, um, Whitchurch and Market Drayton. Uh, on top of that, follow Mr. Badger if you have a horrific sense of humour. Awesome. Oh, and Mr. Badger's podcast, Mr. Badger Talks to Utter Scum. Yeah, and hopefully I'll be part of that Utter Scum soon enough here. <laughs> you will. You you are the biggest piece of scum I've ever seen. Oh, beautiful. Uh, as always, <laughs> uh, I am at FunnyJordanD on Instagram, on social media. Follow Jordan Duchamp Comedy on Facebook and G-O-I-L Pod on Twitter. Tweet something about video games. Did me and Donald miss anything about New Vegas? Come and tell us. And until next week, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next. Oh, champion.